part three chapter six section one of the possessed by fyodor dostoevsky translated by constance garnett this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part three chapter six a busy night section one during that day virginsky had spent two hours in running round to see the members of the quintet and to inform them that shatov would certainly not give information because his wife had come back and given birth to a child and no one who knew anything of human nature could suppose that shatov could be a danger at this moment but to his discomfiture he found none of them at home except erkel and lyamshin erkel listened in silence looking candidly into his eyes and in answer to the direct question would he go at six o'clock or not he replied with the brightest of smiles that of course he would go lyamshin was in bed seriously ill as it seemed with his head covered with a quilt he was alarmed at virginsky's coming in and as soon as the latter began speaking he waved him off from under the bedclothes entreating him to leave him alone he listened to all he said about shatov however and seemed for some reason extremely struck by the news that virginsky had found no one at home it seemed that lyamshin knew already through liputin of fedka's death and hurriedly and incoherently told virginsky about it at which the latter seemed struck in his turn to virginsky's direct question should they go or not he began suddenly waving his hands again entreating him to let him alone and saying that it was not his business and that he knew nothing about it virginsky returned home dejected and greatly alarmed it weighed upon him that he had to hide it from his family he was accustomed to tell his wife everything and if his feverish brain had not hatched a new idea at that moment a new plan of conciliation for further action he might have taken to his bed like lyamshin but this new idea sustained him what's more he began impatiently awaiting the hour fixed and set off for the appointed spot earlier than was necessary it was a very gloomy place at the end of the huge park i went there afterwards on purpose to look at it how sinister it must have looked on that chill autumn evening it was at the edge of an old wood belonging to the crown huge ancient pines stood out as vague sombre blurs in the darkness it was so dark that they could hardly see each other two paces off but pyotr stepanovitch liputin and afterwards erkel brought lanterns with them at some unrecorded date in the past a rather absurd-looking grotto had for some reason been built here of rough unhewn stones the table and benches in the grotto had long ago decayed and fallen two hundred paces to the right was the bank of the third pond of the park these three ponds stretched one after another for a mile from the house to the very end of the park one could scarcely imagine that any noise a scream or even a shot could reach the inhabitants of the stavrogin's deserted house nikolai vsyevolodovitch's departure the previous day and alexey yegorytch's absence left only five or six people in the house all more or less invalided so to speak in any case it might be assumed with perfect confidence that if cries or shouts for help were heard by any of the inhabitants of the isolated house they would only have excited terror no one would have moved from his warm stove or snug shelf to give assistance by twenty past six almost all of them except erkel who had been told off to fetch shatov had turned up at the trysting place this time pyotr stepanovitch was not late he came with tolkachenko tolkachenko looked frowning and anxious 
all his assumed determination and insolent bravado had vanished he scarcely left pyotr stepanovitch's side and seemed to have become all at once immensely devoted to him he was continually thrusting himself forward to whisper fussily to him but the latter scarcely answered him or muttered something irritably to get rid of him shigalov and virginsky had arrived rather before pyotr stepanovitch and as soon as he came they drew a little apart in profound and obviously intentional silence pyotr stepanovitch raised his lantern and examined them with unceremonious and insulting minuteness they mean to speak flashed through his mind isn't lyamshin here he asked virginsky who said he was ill i am here responded lyamshin suddenly coming from behind a tree he was in a warm greatcoat and thickly muffled in a rug so that it was difficult to make out his face even with a lantern so liputin is the only one not here liputin too came out of the grotto without speaking pyotr stepanovitch raised the lantern again why were you hiding in there why didn't you come out i imagine we still keep the right of freedom of our actions liputin muttered though probably he hardly knew what he wanted to express gentlemen said pyotr stepanovitch raising his voice for the first time above a whisper which produced an effect i think you fully understand that it's useless to go over things again everything was said and fully thrashed out yesterday openly and directly but perhaps as i see from your faces someone wants to make some statement in that case i beg you to make haste damn it all there's not much time and erkel may bring him in a minute he is sure to bring him tolkachenko put in for some reason if i am not mistaken the printing press will be handed over to begin with inquired liputin though again he seemed hardly to understand why he asked the question of course why should we lose it said pyotr stepanovitch lifting the lantern to his face but you see we all agreed yesterday that it was not really necessary to take it he need only show you the exact spot where it's buried we can dig it up afterwards for ourselves i know that it's somewhere ten paces from a corner of this grotto but damn it all how could you have forgotten liputin it was agreed that you should meet him alone and that we should come out afterwards it's strange that you should ask or didn't you mean what you said liputin kept gloomily silent all were silent the wind shook the tops of the pine trees i trust however gentlemen that every one will do his duty pyotr stepanovitch rapped out impatiently i know that shatov's wife has come back and has given birth to a child Brigginsky said suddenly excited and gesticulating and scarcely able to speak distinctly knowing what human nature is we can be sure that now he won't give information because he is happy so i went to every one this morning and found no one at home so perhaps now nothing need be done he stopped short with a catch in his breath if you suddenly became happy mr Virginsky, said pyotr stepanovitch stepping up to him would you abandon not giving information there's no question of that but any perilous public action which you had planned before you were happy and which you regarded as a duty and obligation in spite of the risk and loss of happiness no i wouldn't abandon it i wouldn't on any account said virginsky with absurd warmth twitching all over you would rather be unhappy again than be a scoundrel yes yes quite the contrary i'd rather be a complete scoundrel that is no not a scoundrel at all but on the contrary completely unhappy rather than a scoundrel well then let me tell you that shatov looks on this betrayal as a public duty it's his most cherished conviction 
and the proof of it is that he runs some risk himself though of course they will pardon him a great deal for giving information a man like that will never give up the idea no sort of happiness would overcome him in another day he'll go back on it reproach himself and will go straight to the police what's more i don't see any happiness in the fact that his wife has come back after three years absence to bear him a child of stavrogin's but no one has seen shatov's letter shigalov brought out all at once emphatically i've seen it cried pyotr stepanovitch it exists and all this is awfully stupid gentlemen and i protest virginsky cried boiling over suddenly i protest with all my might i want this is what i want i suggest that when he arrives we all come out and question him and if it's true we induce him to repent of it and if he gives us his word of honour let him go in any case we must have a trial it must be done after trial we mustn't lie in wait for him and then fall upon him risk the cause on his word of honour that's the acme of stupidity damnation how stupid it all is now gentlemen and a pretty part you are choosing to play at the moment of danger i protest i protest virginsky persisted don't bawl anyway we shan't hear the signal shatov gentlemen damnation how stupid this is now i've told you already that shatov is a slavophile that is one of the stupidest set of people but damn it all never mind that's no matter you put me out shatov is an embittered man gentlemen and since he has belonged to the party anyway whether he wanted to or no i had hoped till the last minute that he might have been of service to the cause and might have been made use of as an embittered man i spared him and was keeping him in reserve in spite of most exact instructions i've spared him a hundred times more than he deserved but he's ended by betraying us but hang it all i don't care you'd better try running away now any of you no one of you has the right to give up the job you can kiss him if you like but you haven't the right to stake the cause on his word of honour that's acting like swine and spies in government pay who's a spy in government pay here liputin filtered out you perhaps you better hold your tongue liputin you talk for the sake of talking as you always do all men are spies gentlemen who funk their duty at the moment of danger there will always be some fools who run in a panic at the last moment and cry out ay forgive me and i'll give them all away but let me tell you gentlemen no betrayal would win you a pardon now even if your sentence were mitigated it would mean siberia and what's more there's no escaping the weapons of the other side and their weapons are sharper than the government's pyotr stepanovitch was furious and said more than he meant to with a resolute air shigalov took three steps towards him since yesterday evening i've thought over the question he began speaking with his usual pedantry and assurance i believe that if the earth had given way under his feet he would not have raised his voice nor have varied one tone in his methodical exposition thinking the matter over i've come to the conclusion that the projected murder is not merely a waste of precious time which might be employed in a more suitable and befitting manner but presents moreover that deplorable deviation from the normal method which has always been most prejudicial to the cause and has delayed its triumph for scores of years under the guidance of shallow thinkers and preeminently of men of political instead of purely socialistic leanings i have come here solely to protest against the projected enterprise for the general edification intending then to withdraw at the actual moment 
which you for some reason i don't understand speak of as a moment of danger to you i am going not from fear of that danger nor from a sentimental feeling for shatov whom i have no inclination to kiss but solely because all this business from beginning to end is in direct contradiction to my programme as for my betraying you and my being in the pay of the government you can set your mind completely at rest i shall not betray you he turned and walked away damn it all he'll meet them and warn shatov cried pyotr stepanovitch pulling out his revolver they heard the click of the trigger you may be confident said shigalov turning once more that if i meet shatov on the way i may bow to him but i shall not warn him but do you know you may have to pay for this mr fourier i beg you to observe that i am not fourier if you mix me up with that mawkish theoretical twaddler you simply prove that you know nothing of my manuscript though it has been in your hands as for your vengeance let me tell you that it's a mistake to cock your pistol that's absolutely against your interests at the present moment but if you threaten to shoot me to-morrow or the day after you'll gain nothing by it but unnecessary trouble you may kill me but sooner or later you'll come to my system all the same good-bye at that instant a whistle was heard in the park two hundred paces away from the direction of the pond liputin at once answered whistling also as had been agreed the evening before as he had lost several teeth and distrusted his own powers he had this morning bought for a farthing in the market a child's clay whistle for the purpose erkel had warned shatov on the way that they would whistle as a signal so that the latter felt no uneasiness don't be uneasy i'll avoid them and they won't notice me at all shigalov declared in an impressive whisper and thereupon deliberately and without haste he walked home through the dark park everything to the smallest detail of this terrible affair is now fully known to begin with liputin met erkel and shatov at the entrance to the grotto shatov did not bow or offer him his hand but at once pronounced hurriedly in a loud voice well where have you put the spade and haven't you another lantern you needn't be afraid there's absolutely no one here and they wouldn't hear at skvoreshniki now if we fired a cannon here this is the place here this very spot and he stamped with his foot ten paces from the end of the grotto towards the wood at that moment tolkachenko rushed out from behind a tree and sprang at him from behind while erkel seized him by the elbows liputin attacked him from the front the three of them at once knocked him down and pinned him to the ground at this point pyotr stepanovitch darted up with his revolver it is said that shatov had time to turn his head and was able to see and recognize him three lanterns lighted up the scene shatov suddenly uttered a short and desperate scream but they did not let him go on screaming pyotr stepanovitch firmly and accurately put his revolver to shatov's forehead pressed it to it and pulled the trigger the shot seems not to have been loud nothing was heard at skvoreshniki anyway shigalov who was scarcely three paces away of course heard it he heard the shout and the shot but as he testified afterwards he did not turn nor even stop death was almost instantaneous pyotr stepanovitch was the only one who preserved all his faculties but i don't think he was quite cool squatting on his heels he searched the murdered man's pockets hastily though with steady hand no money was found his purse had been left under marya ignatyeva's pillow two or three scraps of paper of no importance were found a note from his office the title of some book 
and an old bill from a restaurant abroad which had been preserved goodness knows why for two years in his pocket pyotr stepanovitch transferred these scraps of paper to his own pocket and suddenly noticing that they had all gathered round were gazing at the corpse and doing nothing he began rudely and angrily abusing them and urging them on tolkachenko and erkel recovered themselves and running to the grotto brought instantly from it two stones which they had got ready there this morning these stones which weighed about twenty pounds each were securely tied with cord as they intended to throw the body in the nearest of the three ponds they proceeded to tie the stones to the head and feet respectively pyotr stepanovitch fastened the stones while tokachenko and erkel only held and passed them erkel was foremost and while pyotr stepanovitch grumbling and swearing tied the dead man's feet together with a cord and fastened the stone to them a rather lengthy operation tolkachenko stood holding the other stone at arm's length his whole person bending forward as it were deferentially to be in readiness to hand it without delay it never once occurred to him to lay his burden on the ground in the interval when at last both stones were tied on and pyotr stepanovitch got up from the ground to scrutinize the faces of his companions something strange happened utterly unexpected and surprising to almost every one as i have said already all except perhaps tolkachenko and erkel were standing still doing nothing though virginsky had rushed up to shatov with the others he had not seized him or helped to hold him lyamshin had joined the group after the shot had been fired afterwards while pyotr stepanovitch was busy with the corpse for perhaps ten minutes none of them seemed to have been fully conscious they grouped themselves around and seemed to have felt amazement rather than anxiety or alarm liputin stood foremost close to the corpse virginsky stood behind him peeping over his shoulder with a peculiar as it were unconcerned curiosity he even stood on tiptoe to get a better view lyamshin hid behind virginsky he took an apprehensive peep from time to time and slipped behind him again at once when the stones had been tied on and pyotr stepanovitch had risen to his feet virginsky began faintly shuddering all over clasped his hands and cried out bitterly at the top of his voice it's not the right thing it's not it's not at all he would perhaps have added something more to his belated exclamation but lyamshin did not let him finish he suddenly seized him from behind and squeezed him with all his might uttering an unnatural shriek there are moments of violent emotion of terror for instance when a man will cry out in a voice not his own unlike anything one could have anticipated from him and this has sometimes a very terrible effect lyamshin gave vent to a scream more animal than human squeezing virginsky from behind more and more tightly and convulsively he went on shrieking without a pause his mouth wide opened and his eyes starting out of his head keeping up a continual patter with his feet as though he were beating a drum virginsky was so scared that he too screamed out like a madman and with a ferocity a vindictiveness that one could never have expected of virginsky he tried to pull himself away from lyamshin scratching and punching him as far as he could with his arms behind him erkel at last helped to pull lyamshin away but when in his terror virginsky had skipped ten paces away from him lyamshin catching sight of pyotr stepanovitch began yelling again and flew at him stumbling over the corpse he fell upon pyotr stepanovitch pressing his head to the latter's chest and gripping him so tightly in his arms that pyotr stepanovitch tolkachenko and liputin could all of them do nothing at the first moment 
pyotr stepanovitch shouted swore beat him on the head with his fists at last wrenching himself away he drew his revolver and put it in the open mouth of lyamshin who was still yelling and was by now tightly held by tolkachenko erkel and liputin but lyamshin went on shrieking in spite of the revolver at last erkel crushing his silk handkerchief into a ball deftly thrust it into his mouth and the shriek ceased meantime tolkachenko tied his hands with what was left of the rope it's very strange said pyotr stepanovitch scrutinizing the madman with uneasy wonder he was evidently struck i expected something very different from him he added thoughtfully they left erkel in charge of him for a time they had to make haste to get rid of the corpse there had been so much noise that someone might have heard tolkachenko and pyotr stepanovitch took up the lanterns and lifted the corpse by the head while liputin and virginsky took the feet and so they carried it away with the two stones it was a heavy burden and the distance was more than two hundred paces tolkachenko was the strongest of them he advised them to keep in step but no one answered him and they all walked anyhow pyotr stepanovitch walked on the right and bending forward carried the dead man's head on his shoulder while with the left hand he supported the stone as tolkachenko walked more than half the way without thinking of helping him with the stone pyotr stepanovitch at last shouted at him with an oath it was a single sudden shout they all went on carrying the body in silence and it was only when they reached the pond that virginsky stooping under his burden and seeming to be exhausted by the weight of it cried out again in the same loud and wailing voice it's not the right thing no no it's not the right thing the place to which they carried the dead man at the extreme end of the rather large pond which was the farthest of the three from the house was one of the most solitary and unfrequented spots in the park especially at this late season of the year at that end the pond was overgrown with weeds by the banks they put down the lantern swung the corpse and threw it into the pond they heard a muffled and prolonged splash pyotr stepanovitch raised the lantern and everyone followed his example peering curiously to see the body sink but nothing could be seen weighted with the two stones the body sank at once the big ripples spread over the surface of the water and quickly passed away it was over Virginsky went off with erkel who before giving up lyamshin to tolkachenko brought him to pyotr stepanovitch reporting to the latter that lyamshin had come to his senses was penitent and begged forgiveness and indeed had no recollection of what had happened to him pyotr stepanovitch walked off alone going round by the farther side of the pond skirting the park this was the longest way to his surprise liputin overtook him before he got halfway home pyotr stepanovitch pyotr stepanovitch lyamshin will give information no he will come to his senses and realize that he will be the first to go to siberia if he did no one will betray us now even you won't what about you no fear i'll get you all out of the way the minute you attempt to turn traitors and you know that but you won't turn traitors have you run a mile and a half to tell me that pyotr stepanovitch pyotr stepanovitch perhaps we shall never meet again what's put that into your head only tell me one thing well what though i want you to take yourself off one question but answer it truly are we the only quintet in the world or is it true that there are hundreds of others it's a question of the utmost importance to me pyotr stepanovitch i see that from the frantic state you are in 
but do you know liputin you are more dangerous than lyamshin i know i know but the answer your answer you are a stupid fellow i should have thought it could make no difference to you now whether it's the only quintet or one of a thousand that means it's the only one i was sure of it cried liputin i always knew it was the only one i knew it all along and without waiting for any reply he turned and quickly vanished into the darkness pyotr stepanovitch pondered a little no no one will turn traitor he concluded with decision but the group must remain a group and obey or i'll what a wretched set they are though end of part three chapter six section one recording by expatriate in bangor maine